Hi, everyone who's listening. Welcome to Parenting in Queens, a safe place where we like to connect with everyday families doing extraordinary things. Raising a child truly takes a village, and we want to build a community where we can all relate and connect with one another to make this journey even more memorable and enjoyable. I am your host, Cecilia Falcon, and I run a family daycare program for 10 years. Besides working with young children over the years, I have loved creating a bond with every family that has been with us thus far. So this podcast is dedicated to all you busy parents. I know you guys are doing all your best to raise your children. Before we listen to this episode, please head over on iTunes and give it a review. It will help get the show on the map and grow this community. Also, follow us on Instagram at Parenting in Queens. And if you'd like to be on our show, please send me a DM. Now, enjoy this interview. Thank you for listening. For today's episode, we're with Brian, and I'm really happy to meet him. If you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, that would be great. Sure. So I am the beauty director of Oh! The Oprah Magazine, and I'm also a dad to a Parker, my three-year-old daughter, and I'm a single dad. I'm raising Parker with her other dad, but we don't live together. So we're raising her together, but separately. Right before our interview, we were chatting a little bit about you looking for a place for you guys to live together yeah. and all that. Why did you always live in Queens or why did you guys choose this borough? So I lived, I'm from Boston originally. Mm -hmm. I moved here to New York when I was in college. I went to New York University. And so I've, I've been here now actually longer than I ever lived in Boston because I moved here when I was... I guess 18, 17, okay. 18. So I've lived all around. I've lived in Manhattan. I've lived in Brooklyn. At the time, my ex and I were living in Long Island City and we were in a one bedroom apartment and we knew that wasn't going to work when we're going to have a child. So we thought, you know, we need to move somewhere where we can get a little bit more space for our money. And we looked around Queens. We looked in Brooklyn. And I actually had an, an old co-worker who had lived in Bayside for years and years and years and said, you know, you should really look at Bayside. The schools are really good. You can get a lot for your money. And it's a really nice community. So we checked it out and we moved there Literally a month before our daughter was born, we we moved everything uh, out to Bayside. So we were cutting it pretty close, but we love it. It's a great area for her. It's a nice mix of, a, it has a suburban feel, but it's also part of Queens. So it's incredibly diverse and it's incredibly walkable, which is nice. So you have a, a mix of a city feel and a suburban feel, which is great and I love for my daughter. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean Bayside is it's really nice. Like you, you I think you explained it perfectly. Yeah, and it's great, you know, and they quiet, but then they you can really go do. to like nice restaurants. Absolutely. I live right off of the main area where all of the restaurants are, so it's great. You can go and you can grab something to eat. But it's also they do a lot of great things for families. So just the other night, uh, a few nights ago, they had fireworks down in Fort Totten, which is an old army fort that's now a park. I think there's like FDNY uh, training facilities there. But we went, they had, you know, food vendors, they had bouncy houses for the kids that were completely free. And, and then they had a fireworks display at nine. So it's great. They do a lot of those 
events for families, which I think is is really great and one of the nice surprises about moving there that obviously we didn't know about. And there's also just a lot of great parks. I live within walking distance of three really fantastic playgrounds that my daughter loves to go to and, you know, we take her there. And so it's a great little area. Yeah, I'm glad you guys moved around here. (laughs) How was, if you could describe, how was like that decision to have a child? Because not everyone is like, did you grow up like always wanting a family? Well, it's, it's funny. I didn't. I think... You know, I was the, I have a sibling, a sister who's younger than me and I'm, you know, the, the first, the firstborn. And when I came out as gay in high school, I think that it was sort of not, I didn't know that that was really an option to have a family. And, um, you know, that was 20 years ago and things have certainly changed since then, but there weren't a lot of representations of LGBT families in the media that I sort of looked to. So it wasn't necessarily something that I had ever really thought about. And I was always a bit free spirited and, you know, very artistic and into that sort of thing. So I always thought that, you know, that baby wasn't going to be something that would be in my life. Uh, But when I met my ex, he really was very family oriented and he really always knew from the beginning that he wanted to have a family. So when we had our daughter, I wasn't sure, like even, even he tried to convince you. He did. Yeah, he definitely did. And he, and he made a convincing case. I I'm very close with my family. Uh So I have nephews, I have a sister that I'm very close with. So it made sense, but I wasn't sure if this would be something that I would even be good at. And it's so funny. You worry about all of those things up until when your child arrives. And then once he or she is here, you're just in parent mode. You don't even think of those things anymore. You don't even think, will I be good at this? Will I be, you know, will this be right for me? You're just there. And there's this little person who is completely dependent on you. And you just, it something snaps or clicks in your mind and you just take care of this little thing because you, it's the most incredible love that you could ever imagine feeling. And I don't think you ever know what that is until you're in it. So it did require a little bit of convincing, but it's been the most unexpectedly amazing surprise in my life. And I'm so glad that he sort of knew that this would be a good thing for me. And I'm so glad that he did because it ha- it's, I'm so glad that it's something that I get to, ex- fatherhood that is something that I get to experience in my life mm-hmm. because I wasn't sure that it would be. And it's been the most amazing journey so far. Wow. And how was the, like, the process? Did you guys adopt? Or did yeah. you marry? So we, um, you know, when we were going through the process, we thought about many different ways mm-hmm. to, to start our family. Adoption was certainly an option, one that I would be, have been very uh, comfortable and eager to do. Uh, I think that ultimately we decided to go the surrogacy route okay. because, you know, it's really important to my ex, not to speak for him because he's not here, but I think it was very important for him to have a genetic connection to our child. And of course, if that was important to him, you know, I wanted to make that happen for him. 
So we went the surrogacy route and actually my younger sister was our surrogate. So she carried our daughter for us. Yeah. So we used an egg donor. We used my ex's uh, sperm and my sister carried her for us. So it was a very interesting experience and a wonderful experience. Obviously, when you have a family member as your surrogate, you know this person very well. You know this person is going to take care of themselves and do all of the things that you would want them to do. So it felt very comfortable. We could check in. But at the same time, we were in New York. Uh, she was in the Boston area. So there were a lot of things that we really couldn't be there for. You know, there was a, in a moment when my sister went for a routine checkup and they uh, detected a slight arrhythmia in my daughter's heartbeat in okay. utero. And they rushed her from her, the local office where her OB gyne was into Boston Children's Hospital in the city. And it was this, obviously, you are worried that something's wrong. And it was hard for, I think, both of us being so far away to not be able to just jump in a car and and drive there and be there and be, you know, involved in that process. And thankfully, it turned out to be nothing. But that was hard, too. So it was wonderful in some respects and then really challenging in some respects, which I'm sure a lot of families who conceive via surrogacy can relate to. So it was an interesting experience for sure. Wow. And did... Does your sister have kids of her own? She does. So she has a, a stepson and a biological son. My older nephew just graduated from high school. And my younger nephew is turning eight in July. So I think that's ultimately what led her to want to be a surrogate for uh, my ex and I. She really had a wonderful pregnancy with my nephew and she I don't think having another child was something that was in her plan. And so she really came to us and she said, I know that you're wanting to start a family. And I think that I really enjoyed being pregnant. And so if you're interested, yeah, I mean, incredibly lucky. Not only are you entrusting the development of your child to somebody that you know, but, you know, Conceiving via surrogacy is is a huge financial commitment and it's very expensive. And having my sister do that for us, you know, not to be glib or, or but it saved us quite a bit of mm-hmm. money, which was huge. I think it probably would have been prohibitively expensive for us probably. had we not uh, had my sister be willing to do that for us. So from a lot of perspectives we we owe her (laughs) quite a bit and it was meant to be and it's so interesting to see the bond that my daughter has with my sister now you know because of course a little girl being raised by two two dads I know that you know down the line there may be some things that she doesn't really want to talk to two men about. I hope that's not the case. I hope she feels like she can talk to myself or her other father about anything. But, you know, there may be some things that she wants to talk to a woman about. And so I, I'm so happy to know that my sister will be there in case she does want to talk right. to her or, you know, any of the other amazing women, friends and relatives that, you know, both of us have in our mm-hmm. lives. 
That was really good that your sister did that. I, I'm pregnant now and I like cannot believe women. Yeah. Do this well, I think other people. I think it's frankly, so hard. I think frankly, if my sister had had the pregnancy that she had with my daughter, with my nephew, she probably wouldn't have offered. Also, it was way different. It was a it was a different pregnancy. I think the pregnancy with my nephew, as I remember her telling me, it was pretty great. She wasn't really sick. It was pretty smooth yeah, some sailing. Yeah, like that. I know some with my <laughs> yeah, with my daughter, it was quite different. She she really had quite a bit of morning sickness, and then there were the little things, not the little things, but the arrhythmia. Yes, yeah, the so fears. there were some complications there that were not present with my nephew. So I think that. Had she had that pregnancy first, she probably wouldn't have been as eager yeah. to do this for us. So, so she's like, I'm it, done. Exactly. So <laughs> it, work, it works out. Absolutely. But she absolutely after afterwards said, I'm done after this. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's how I feel. <laughs> so um, recently, a couple of months ago, I reconnected with a good friend in high school. Like I'm... A shy person, yeah. so I'm, I don't have a lot of friends. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not like a social butterfly or anything like that. But I have a few friends that I still like connect with, even from like first grade. So I recently reconnected with someone from high school, and he is gay. Yeah. So when he's he's in, you know he was in high school, like we knew and stuff like that. Yeah. So we were catching up, like right you know after college, after having some experience. I'm like, okay, so what happened? Like, did you come out to your mom? Yeah. How is it like things with your boyfriend, yeah. things like that. So now I told him about the interview that I was going to do. I'm like, is there anything like you want me to ask or anything like that? Because yeah. he was more surprised that, you know, like since we were in high school, like he did, he hadn't seen me as a mom and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So he was, he's very hesitant to have a family. Yeah. He's very hesitant to have a child because... You know, being a gay person is just a whole different dynamic. For sure. I would think. For um, sure. You know, I'm not in history. So he asked me. He sent me some questions. Great. <laughs> Answer it for me. Just because he's a bit scared of, like, the whole going through it. Also, yeah. he's a free spirit. And I think the boyfriend is more like, okay, you know, he likes kids and yeah. all that. He's like, not sure. <laughs> I think we can all relate to that. 100%. Um, I think, you know, that doubts about parenting is probably more common than I think a lot of people talk about because I think that there is this assumption that when you decide to become a parent, you're gung-ho and you're, you're, this is what you've wanted and what you've dreamed about. But I think the idea that you doubt yourself and that you have concerns, I think they're probably normal. I think just maybe no one talks about them because they're afraid to admit that they're not sure that they'll be a good parent, right. that they're not sure that this kind of a responsibility is for them. I 100% felt that way. It's completely changed now, of course. But I think those doubts leading up to that are are normal, yeah. and I think that you know I'm certain I'm I'm sure that not everyone has them, but I think probably more people have them than they care to admit. So I think I think that's probably yeah, normal. it's pretty normal. Yeah, because like, it's something you don't expect. You just see other people exactly. And I guess unfortunately, some people like are so negative about it once yeah. they become a parent. Yeah, 
uh, which is not my case like, or not your case. And yeah. a lot of people are into really like, yeah, they say it's so exhausting, but I like, it's so beautiful. Like it's so worth it. You know? Yeah. But sometimes the people you around with that do have kids, unfortunately, they have a negative mindset. Yeah. And look, it's not always easy. Sure. <laughs> no, I mean, there are definitely times when I am just exhausted at the end of the <laughs> yeah. day and I've worked and I come home and my daughter, God bless her, is a really active kid. And there are some days when it's it's really tiring, but then you're in bed and she turns over and she, you know she puts your face in her little hand and she says I love you, and then it's just all yeah. so worth it. You know, <laughs> it doesn't even matter anymore. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. You're right. So what my friends hand me was like a little bit more. I don't know if it's sensitive or yeah. I'm not sure, but one of his words is that, okay, if he does have a child, then how would he explain that this child will have the same gender yeah. partner? Mm-hmm. And also, like, he may have a stepdad or something. I think that, that, that would be your case if you find somebody else. Like, For sure. This is your dad, but then this is... You Has know, that ever come up? Because I think she's very... She's three. Um, so, you know, we're getting there. It's funny. I think, and I, I know that my ex feels this way. I think just being really honest is always the best way to be, even with a young child. You know, so we just always say to her, you know, some all families look different and some families have a mommy and a daddy. Some families just have a mommy. Some families just have a daddy. Some families have two mommies. Some families have two daddies. And I think what's so great about being a parent in Queens and being a parent in New York in general, in New York City, it's such a huge melting pot of cultures and different kinds of people and different kinds of families that those conversations, I think, come up very naturally. You know, my daughter happens to be in a daycare program where there are different kinds of families. There are families that are like my ex and I who are not living together and are separated. There are families of all different races and nationalities. So those conversations are naturally facilitated. And I think that is, I think, a great, I think just being honest. I think the other thing is you as a parent worry about these things so much. I think what parenting thus far has taught me more than anything, and this sounds very trite, but it's true. A child, especially a young child, all they really need is to be surrounded by people that love them and support them. And I have an example. You know, I was playing with my daughter the other day and she's very into horses right now. That's everything's horses and unicorns. And she likes it when I am the horse and she rides me and we play and that's her favorite game. So we were playing the other day and she said, Daddy, you be the mommy horsey and I'll be the baby horsey. And so I thought, well, let me just ask her, you know, because she obviously knows what a mother is, even though she doesn't have one. So I said, well, honey, you know, do you have a mommy? And she just looked at me and she said, no. And I said, well, what do you have, honey? And she said, I have a daddy, Ty. And that's my ex. I have a daddy, Brian. I have an auntie. I have a Connor. That's my nephew. And she just really understood intuitively that her family was different and it didn't seem to bother her in the least. 
And that's when it made me realize that we, I think as parents worry about these things so much, but at the end of the day, children, I think are so resilient and they understand so much more. And I think they just want to feel loved and supported. And she does. She has two parents in her life that are very involved, active parents that love her more than anything. And then she has this huge network of extended family and family friends that love her. And I think that ultimately is what is the most important thing for a kid. So I think be honest and then also don't worry so much about it because I think kids just need love. Yes. And I think because we, I mean, we grew up from like, I mean, it's still making like a lot of progress. Yeah. It's not there yet. But yeah, for sure. But we grew up with these fears and with these Totally. Things, so we put our own fears. Yeah. And I had a very traditional upbringing. You know, my father worked. My mother stayed at home. I was the boy. My sister was a girl. We had like the two two kid family, mm-hmm. you know, my mom stayed home. So it was a very traditional upbringing. So again, that's why the idea of a, a gay family was even different foreign to me because that's not what my experience was. Okay. I grew up in a very small town. Everyone was kind of the same. So I think those questions and concerns are normal because it's so, it's still out of people's realm of experience that's a true. lot. Mm-hmm. If you, like, I know she's really young right now, but do you fear that she may experience a little bit of resistance from her friends as she grows older? Like, do you know, for like, sure. worry for that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think every parent wants their child to be liked and have a lot of friends and be accepted by that's her true. peers. And, of course, that's certainly a fear and something that's come into my mind. But again, I think, you know, both my ex and I have made some great friends, some great other family friends with some of the children that my daughter has met through her daycare, through her dance class, that, you know, I think we've just become like any other parents, like Mm -hmm. any other family. And I think, again, that's a fear and a concern of mine. I think bullying and that kind of that environment is a concern for a lot of parents and I think it's a valid concern and I think at some point too you just kind of have to say we'll deal with that when it comes up you know I think if you think too far ahead it's you can get in your head too much okay well now going to your job you said you were the beauty editor yeah so for me that's like okay this is probably so demanding you have to go to so many events it is yeah like socialize with so many people for that's sure part of your job and then you have i i follow you on instagram so i see like you have like to review products yeah. and things like that just for instagram and then something else for the magazine yeah so how do you because i don't know if it's like a works balance thing but you just try to juggle everything. yeah so what's your like routine like now that she's three and with yeah. your job like what do you do when you have to work long hours yeah so uh the the way that my ex and i have worked out our co-parenting is that we split time with her equally on a two-two-three arrangement which is a fairly common arrangement for young uh young children We live very close to one another, you know, less than a quarter of a mile away. So I plan my, my really my week around my time with my daughter. So if I know I'm having her 
for these two nights during the week and this weekend. You know, the other two nights is when I try to work late, when I try to catch up, when I try to go to events. And then the the days that I have my daughter, I just really try to get as much as I can done during the day so that I can leave and pick her up and take care of her. Because once at three, there's really, it's really hard once we get home for me to focus on anything else but her. Because she's still at that age where she's she's very demanding. I feel very fortunate that I work at a place that's very understanding of me as a parent. And I think that's important for employers these days in general. You know, I think it's very common for children to come from households where there are two working parents in the house. And so I think employers are starting to understand that flexibility for parents is really important. And I feel very fortunate that my employer does feel that way. And look, I have a laptop that I have through my work that I take with me when I go home. I do work from home. So it's absolutely a juggle and a struggle and something that I'm still working on figuring out. And it's funny, I think I sometimes feel like I have two totally different lives. I feel like there's my life as a dad, my life with my daughter, and then there's my life when I'm working and with my job and my career, which sometimes feel very, like, very different lives. Uh It's an interesting balance. My ex is, you know, a very involved parent, and frankly, while we're not together and living together anymore, I really couldn't do it without him. You know, I do travel sometimes for work. So there are some times when I have to say, Hey, you know, are you available to, to take Parker on my days while I'm traveling? And he always, you know, is. And so we really depend on each other still a lot, even though we're not together. So we really, I guess in some ways, and we were talking about this before, in some ways I am a single dad, but in, in a lot of ways, I'm not because I still really depend on on him for a lot. And he's an incredible father. So I am very fortunate in that way because there are a lot of times when I really do depend on him to kind of step in and help me with work and travel. So it's an interesting balance. I think both of us, fortunately, we're on pretty much the same page when it comes to our our daughter and our parenting styles. I understand that there's a he's a great dad and there's a lot that I can learn from him. We're both very different kinds of parents. I think he is very, you know, I, I'm a little bit more laissez-faire about certain okay. things than he is. So it's absolutely kind of balancing those two things. But I think for the most part, we're pretty much on the same page with how we want you know, to raise our daughter. And I think it is uh, a balance too. I think for my ex, again, not to speak from because he's not here, but I think that having a relationship with religion and a church is very important to him. It's really not as important to me, but I understand that it's important to him. So I know that I need to compromise a bit with him on that. So I do. So it's about a compromise. I think that's what is the most important part. And I think actually living separately, but raising our daughter together has forced us to be better at compromising. And I think that has been actually a benefit to both of us is that we've learned that 
idea of compromise, I think, better. Right. And then I think what I get from you is like now communication has to be upfront. 100%. I think we communicate better now than we even did when we were together because we have to. Right. When you have to do that, when you're in a situation when you're forced to communicate better, it, you just do. And I think that it has been an interesting you know, product of our situation is that we've really learned communication and compromise is key. And we've become, you know, we've become better at it, which is, I think, a good thing for both yeah, of us. That's so great. What is this like your dream job to have? You know, I have to I say, think of it's a pretty awesome better. gig. I think that I've always worked in Uh, magazine publishing. I've always been a magazine person. I love them. And, you know, nowadays that business is very different and it's very challenged and it's changing quite a bit with, you know, online and digital media. There are so many more places that people can get information these days. To me, there's something nice about sitting and relaxing with a magazine and opening it up and touching it and feeling it and looking at the pages. To me, that's a wonderful experience. I think it's also a curated experience for people, which is nice. And the beauty industry is just a very fun, very exciting industry to work in, especially over the last 10 years. There's so many interesting people doing interesting things. And I feel very lucky that I get to be right in the middle of that and that I get to try things and see things first and 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 really get my hands on that and talk to all of those people doing interesting things whether it's makeup artists or doctors or hairstylists or chemists who create products it feels like a pretty amazing job yeah i mean i'm i'm pretty sure it's demanding <laughs> it feels like it's really good when You said you've been in the beauty industry for 10 years. Has there been anything like that you loved, like any products yeah. or any experience that you love? And then some things they're like, okay, that was a huge mistake. Yeah. So I think for me, what has been, what I've loved is talking to, you know, doctors about how to properly care for your skin. You know, as a kid, I had, you know, acne like a lot of kids do. And I did everything I could to try to make it go away and get better skin. And I think this journey of knowledge about taking care of your skin has been something that's been really interesting to me personally for a lot of reasons. And so I, that's been really exciting to me. Also just learning about all of the incredible science that goes into making products. I've really enjoyed learning about that. In terms of stuff that I haven't liked, I, I'm not sure there's anything that immediately comes to mind. I think, as I said, I just feel like really fortunate to have this pretty cool job yeah and in the 10 years have you had something that is just timeless like you know like these are like you must have like these are the things yeah like I think for me my skincare regimen pretty much is the same I just you know sort of try different products within it but I always at night I've learned to use retinol at night it's an ingredient that does so much for your skin Not only does it help with acne, it helps with aging, it helps with skin tone and texture. It's really 
an incredible ingredient that I think everyone should use and that you can now get over the counter at Target. So I think it's for everyone. And that is, you know, when anyone, whenever everyone, anyone asks me what they should use, that's, that's always what I say. And that's for nighttime? Yeah. So I use that at night. So at night I'll use my retinol. Right now I'm using a spray retinol by a brand called Neova, but there's this incredible product called Differin, which you can get at Target. It's like $24. It's a gel. It ha- contains a form of uh, retinoid and I've recommended it to so many people, particularly parents with kids who are teenagers that are struggling with acne and they love it. I've never gotten anyone who said it's not been good for them. So I use that at night and I use, usually follow that up with some sort of face oil. I have a really oily skin. So using a face oil was kind of hard for me because I thought when you have oily skin, the last thing you want to put on your skin is an oil, but it's helped me a lot. Um, And then I use a night cream. And then in the morning, I usually use um, something with an alpha hydroxy acid to exfoliate a little. And then I use an antioxidant serum after that. And then sunscreen is the most important thing. You know, no matter what skin tone you have, I think sunscreen is, you know, I think the sun is what contributes to, I think it's 80 to 90% of fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, all of the things that you associate with the signs of skin aging, they really are all caused by the sun. So I think protecting your skin with a sunscreen is, is probably the most important thing you can do to stay you know, to keep your skin looking more youthful as you you get older. Mm-hmm. And thank you for sharing that because I'm a very low maintenance. Yeah, person, like, yeah. You know, well, you have great skin. skin so. Yeah, one, thank you. Um, Once, like, I feel like, oh, why would I do these yeah. things if I work with, like, I work with very young kids. Yeah. So, like, they're pooping on me or spitting totally. on me. Totally, you don't have time so, for like, that. I like, whatever. Yeah, keep it simple. But I think what you said is really important. Cause yeah. Like, you know, you forget and you don't have that routine. Yeah. But at least having, like, the basics. And I keep it very simple, too. I feel like that's a pretty basic regimen. <laughs> I think two things, retinol at night and then sunscreen during the day, and you're good to go. I think if you were to just use those two things... That would take care of pretty much all of your concerns about keeping your skin healthy looking. Of course. Thank you. That that was for me. (laughs) (laughs) The other question was, okay, so I think you covered that. So like so many questions with just that one answer. The other question about your job, has there anything like that has been like a biggest struggle Mm. for you in that job? Because sometimes like I hear from my parents are like, oh, you know, they're not doing this they're not being flexible with the hours yeah. or i just had a baby and they don't want to let me out i think yeah. hours would be very difficult yeah. or they gave me a promotion but it's really like two jobs for one person and things yeah. like that that come up but i'm what, what has been like your biggest struggle you know i think the biggest there. struggle is meeting all of the demands that i have uh at work and also balancing that with being a parent and i think a lot of parents can probably relate to that they're just sometimes doesn't feel like there are enough hours in the day. But I think what I've learned is important is to kind of give yourself a break and just say, I'm not going to be able to do everything. I'm not going to be able to be perfect. So what can I do 
in the time that I have that will make the most impact. And I think for me, that's been a struggle and something that I'm, I'm still working toward because you want to be perfect at work. You want to be the perfect parent, of course. You just, I think the inclination is to have it all. And I think when you go on social media, sometimes you think you see somebody who is perfect and doing everything perfectly. And I think what you have to realize is, you know, that's not always the case. And there's a lot of, you know, I'm not posting on Instagram when it's the middle of the night and my daughter wets the bed and I have to change the sheet. You know, you're not posting the not so perfect things about your life. You're only posting the good stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think we've gotten into that place with social media where we think we have to be perfect. And I think that that's been a struggle and probably is a struggle for a lot of people. You see, you know, the perfect parents and their children are smiling so sweetly in the pictures and they seem so great. And, you know, meanwhile, you know, when the camera's off, they're running around, you know, pulling things off the table. And I think that's certainly the case with my daughter. She's as sweet as can be, but she is an active kid. And I think that's, you know, been a struggle. I think not being perfect. Wow. Did you always, because you mentioned you had a type A personality. Yeah. So I can, I can see like, you know, having a kid for a type A personality could be like. For sure. Cringy. I don't know. Totally. Look, I mean, you have to give up a lot of, you know, control with a toddler sometimes. I think what's so interesting about parenting a toddler is at this age, they're just all instinct. You know, if there is something that they don't want to do, they're not going to do it. And you can try to, you know, you can bribe, you can coerce, you can try to force, but they're just not going to do it. If my daughter gets up in the morning and decides that she doesn't want to wear the dress that I've picked out for her, she's not going to wear it. And there's no, I could force her into it, but you know, then that's just going to, what, what's that going to do? It's not really going to accomplish very much. So I definitely learned to chill out and relinquish a fair amount of my control. You know, she's going through a phase right now where she will not wear pants or sleeves. (laughs) So I had so many cute things that I had picked out for her that are just not going to cut it. So I had to go out and buy all new skirts, dresses, and short sleeve shirts. And then in the winter, we had to get her into tights. So you definitely have to give up a little bit of that control. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like that has been your biggest lesson from her? Because, you know, kids really teach you so many things. Two biggest lessons, one I, I, I think I already said, which was, you know, I think all kids really need is love and support. The other one is you, it's all, it's really about compromise with your kid. I think you pick your battles and there are certain battles, you know, obviously there are some mornings she wakes up and she says, daddy, I don't want to go to school today. That's a battle that I have to pick because she has to go to school because I have to go to work so that I can support us, you know, but when it comes to the other little things, I think letting go of a lot of that is a huge lesson for me, for sure. Has that been like a liberating feel? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that I am much happier knowing that I don't have as much control as I thought I did because then it takes off so much of the burden of expectation too. And I think that's been, as you said, I think liberating is the best word to describe it. Mm -hmm. 
And did you always have this personality growing up? Like, because kids come with their own temperament. Yeah, I think so. I, I've always been fairly headstrong. I think I've always been my own person. I've always, you know, it's funny, my mother, when she sees my daughter and how strong-willed she is, she always says, well, this is this is the universe getting back at you for what you put me through. <laughs> and I think to myself, that's probably true. And I see a lot of those traits in my daughter. And look, for me, I, and I know that my ex feels the same way. We really want to celebrate those personality traits in her while also reining them in. We, we obviously want her to be a compassionate person that values other people and values other people's opinions. But as a girl, I think we really want her to be strong and independent and know how to assert herself and know how to be her own person. I think raising a little girl that's important. I think we want her to have those traits. So again, it's like a, a balance of, of encouraging and instilling those traits in her while also making sure that she has respect for other people. I think those two things can coexist. Yeah. And that's something for a lifetime. Yeah, you know, they never sure. stop being your child. And that's exactly. And that's what, you know, my mom always says, she said, you know, when she turns 20, 21, 22, 25, she'll still be your baby. You know, yeah. you'll still worry about her. You'll still be concerned about her. You'll still be teaching her things. And I, I know that that's true of me. I'm 40. I'm still learning from my parents. They're still, I still depend on my parents for so many things that you do realize that this is, this is a lifetime job. You know, it's not just something that, you know, expires when she turns 18. This is a lifetime, a lifetime commitment. Thank you so much. I think we should end with that. I feel like you have such a positive outlook on parenting, but it's thank also you. so realistic of it. Oh, thank you. And I hope that, you know, you keep us posted on how she's doing. Well, thank you so much. Media. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun and I really appreciate it.